And now, enjoy this free Jason Modcast show. Welcome to Seed Red. Hey, boys and girls, welcome to Scene Red. I'm David K. Montoya. All right, kids, this is going to be the second week without Rebecca and Aaron, so I had to make a few phone calls and, and find out if anyone would be interesting to talk to, or, or even at that, talk to my fat ass for an hour. And after all the phone calls and emails, I'm able to say that I got a guest for us today. And this guest and I, we actually have already done two podcasts this week, and we talked a lot about heroes. And unbeknownst to him, um, he he is secretly one of my heroes. He's actually taught me so much in the way of writing, and he's helped me throughout the years with you know the when it was Dark Myth Production Studios and, and even into MythWorks. And he he's really shaped the way I think as far as being a creator. So. Ladies and gentlemen, let me pr- introduce to you my hero, Terry Deshear. Hey, greetings, everyone. Yeah, I was uh, the only person he could find who wasn't doing anything right now, so here I am, and uh, good to be here. I, I do do podcasts with, uh, with and without David, so let's see what we got going today. Well, I wanted to talk about, because we've actually never actually spoke about this on air. You know, we've done separate interviews with different magazines and stuff talking about the creation and how things begun. But I think for our listeners, I think it would be interesting to jump in the way back machine and not go too far back, but uh, kind of talk about how you and I became friends and how I ended up pestering you on a daily basis to you know, come and work for me. I think that would be fun. Okay, if that's your idea of fun, we'll go for that. <laughs> so just to give uh, everybody a background on Terry. Um, that's me. Terry is a writer. He is an editor. He was my editor-in-chief for several years. He worked on two different online magazines, just about every single publication that we produced through Dark Myth Publications, he was the primary editor, if not the editor. Um, and that includes the comics and online content. Everything literally went through him. Um, but this all starts in 2003, which is uh, 10 years ago. 
and how it comes about, and I don't know if I've actually ever talked about this on Seeing Red, is, is uh, you know, I have a weekend job that I do. I work for a hospital as a monitor tech. Well, interesting enough, Mr. Shearer is the one who taught me how to become a monitor tech. Uh, how long did you work over at DBH as a monitor tech? Uh, I believe it was like five and a half years, something like that, before I finally just couldn't deal with it anymore. Actually, I was uh, I, I went out on disability for a previous injury, but yeah, it was like five years, five and a half years. And before I got brought into ICU to be a monitor tech, I was actually what they call a CNA, a certified nursing assistant. Um, I had done that for like six or seven years prior to coming to DVH. And I, I, everybody that knows me knows that I write. And before then, the only thing that I would write was comic books. That was, that was my forte. That was what I knew how to write. And someone, I don't remember exactly who it was, uh, told me that there was a writer in ICU that I could learn from. And I thought that was cool because where we live here in this part of California, there doesn't seem to be that many writers. So I, I went to ICU and I introduced myself. And I, I told Terry that I was a writer. And do you remember your response? Well, I only remember it because you've already told me over and over again. But uh, <clears throat> I, I believe I said something like, everyone's a writer. Yes, that's exactly it. He, he kind of, kind of almost a growl. He's like, everybody's a writer. And, uh, I, I, I didn't, I didn't mean that in a derogatory term toward you necessarily, but it just seemed like, uh, at that point in time, everyone was trying to be a writer. Oh, that makes sense. Well, definitely was, I was still trying to be a writer. Um, and we had conversations about writing. You know, I, I would kind of give you an insight of how things worked with comic books, and you gave me an insight with, you know, short stories and novels. And then the fateful day was he came in one day. He called me. I was on a different station. And he goes, hey, I brought some stuff for you to read. And I went and picked up the stuff, and I sat down, and I started reading. And I remember I, I literally read everything that he gave me. In fact, I, I forgot to get up and do my clinical rounds on patients because I was so engrossed with the stories. And for the next few months afterwards, you know, I, I kept bugging them to bring me more and bring me more. And I've read many, many of your stories, which I think some haven't even been published Right. I still have a, uh, a backload or a backlog, I guess, of stuff that has never been published, which we'll go into another book one day, I suppose. Um, and then somewhere along the line, I remember we were, we were leaving the hospital, you know, our shift had ended and you actually said, you know, bring me something that I can read of yours because at this point I've read all your stuff, but you've not read any of my stuff. And of course it was just, all I had was comic book scripts. You know, I had not gone into the medium of writing short stories. So I brought him a comic book script and he, he edited it and told me, you know, to, to keep working, you know, uh, that my grammar, 
and punctuation seriously needed to improve. And, um, but I remember you said that you liked the way I, I, I fleshed out my character development. You liked the way that the dialogue flowed. Okay. Um, yeah. And then after that, we just started talking. And the more I got to know Terry, the more he made me interested in, in short stories and novels because, I mean, I, I've read, you know, short stories and novels in the past, but I really never was a big fan. I've always been a big comic book fan. So as things were happening in the comic book world at this time, I, I was actually spinning down to finishing my run of, of just being a comic book writer because I was really getting burnt out on it. And I decided that I was going to try my hand at short stories. So I, I came up with this idea with, uh, well, no, it wasn't even with Terry at first. It was just a, a sole idea. Originally, I created a website called The World of Dark Myth. And what it was was uh, a combination of short stories, uh, which at the time my sister Rebecca was writing. I was doing the e-comics and some other shit. I don't remember exactly. It's been so long. But I noticed that there was a trend. There was more people downloading the e-stories than downloading the the e-comics. So I decided that I was going to revamp the, the, the website, The World of Dark Myth. And I was going to make it solely for short stories, poetry, and artwork. And once I did that, I realized that, well, fuck, I need someone who knows how to, to edit and to understand you know, the, the literature of short stories. So I went to Terry, and I was all excited. And I, I told Terry, you know, this is what I'm thinking. You know, we're going to be huge and, and famous, and and I want you to be the editor-in-chief. And do you remember your response on that one? Oh, absolutely. I said, nah, no. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, flat out, no. Now, why is that? Why why the first initial decline? Well, I had I had never done that type of of uh, serious editing before, and uh, when you explained to me what you had planned, it just seemed like a lot of fucking work. Which what it did end up yeah, being? Well, a lot yeah, of absolutely, it did. But. Uh, Basically, I just didn't want to disappoint you. I didn't want your your huge dream to somehow possibly flop because I just wasn't adequate for the job, basically. Especially when you told me there was a fucking test that I had to take, an editor's test. I go, bullshit, I don't take tests. <laughs> and, and in fact, for the record, even 10 years later, I still don't think you've actually taken a test. No. <laughs> I'm going to take no fucking test, dude. <laughs> because I've had editors throughout the past. That well, you had, you had fucking jack-off editors. That's why. <laughs> I don't know. You gave them the fucking test, and you still let them be editors. What kind of stupid shit is that? <clears throat> well, actually, I was talking more about the comic books. You know, the, the way that comic books are written to the way short stories are written are, are two different animals altogether. Bass backwards, basically. Yes. Um, so after what, let's see, that was August, September. Well, yeah, by September you had convinced, 
harangued me sufficiently that I said, yeah, okay, fine, as long as I don't have to take a test. So we sat down and we put together what would become our first dual venture together, and it was released as World of Myth magazine. Uh, in fact, the the original URL was worldofmyth.tk. Do you remember that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I was really expecting big numbers to come in, and and you submitted, you know, well, you didn't submit. You, you just kind of said, okay, well, you, you need to fill these spots for the different genres. And <clears throat> we just kind of took off from there. And I remember our very first issue, we pulled in like 200 hits. And I, I tried to be enthusiastic when I told you about it. Yeah, we got 200 hits. But I know internally I was like, fuck, man, fuck. Well, you had no experience in that area. And plus you had been doing, you know, comic book stuff. So it was going to, what did I tell you? Six months, five months, something like that. Before yeah. you, we would have an audience that was going to be, uh, number worthy, I guess you could say. So we worked on the world of myth. Um, and that was the only thing that at the time for the rest of 2003 was 2000, no, 2004, 2004, we started the world of myth. So from 2004 to 2005, you know, that was pretty much what we, we focused on was, you know, building a reputation and bringing in new contributors. And that was during the time of the advent of, uh, not Facebook, MySpace. MySpace, yeah. And that's how we, we were able to find a lot of our original contributors was through MySpace. And, so we, we started building, uh, an audience. We started building a reputation, not among, not only amongst the, the readers, but amongst the, the contributors themselves. You know, that we were a very professional, reliable, um, uh, easy. So we go and we're producing the world of myth. And then by the end of 2000, well, it was close to the end of 2005. I think it was like October when I, I had this, Right. Well, let me back up first. I'm, I'm jumping ahead of myself. Um, in August of 2005, um, Terry made one of the biggest steps that he, he did for himself, but he unintentionally inspired me, which changed my life for the next 10 years. And that was, he wrote, uh, a collection of stories called the book of, Dr no, sorry, wrong book. Wrong person. Wrong person. Well, it's dreams. That's what kind of threw me off. It's uh, dreams of darkness, dreams of night. And I, I was just so inspired because he was the first person I, I ever met that said, I'm going to do this. And I'm going to do this by myself and actually completed it. And, you know, being what I was 26 years old at the time, I was like, holy fuck, you know. That, and that really inspired me. So a few months later, I wanted to test the market. I wanted to see what we could do and, and how I could bring my knowledge of marketing comic books to this new literary world of short stories and whatnot. So we came out with the 2006 World of Myth calendars. Do you remember those? Oh, yeah. Yeah. In fact, I still have I still have mine. Yeah. Um, and so we, we, 
we had man, we really overcharged um originally. I think we were selling them for like 20 bucks a pop per calendar, wasn't it? The original ones, the first ones? I don't I don't recall how much it was. But <clears throat> even though it was a high price tag, we sold that what was it? It was was it a week or under a week that dude, we sold out? Dude, I can't remember what happened yesterday. You're talking about, you know, eight years ago. <laughs> Give me a break here. <clears throat> um, so we, we ended up selling out the calendars. I, I want to say it was between maybe five to nine days we completely sold out. Um, nice. Nice. and then we, we st- continued. Not, not only did we work on that, but we also continually worked on the world of myth, which is different from maybe if there's any listeners from the world of myth that have come over here to listen to us. What you knew as the world of myth was different to when Terry and I were in the world of myth because we did monthly magazines. We didn't do bi-monthly or we didn't do quarterly. We did literally monthly magazines. Every month we came out with not only just a little bit of stuff, we put a shit ton of material in every um, issue. So we were keeping busy with that. And during the process of that, you know, I, I kind of realized that it was a, an idea to try something else. And that's kind of where the idea, and I don't think I've actually ever told you this, I'm the one who named Book of Dreams. It wasn't Rebecca, I named it. And the idea of Book of Dreams was directly inspired from Dreams of Darkness. So that's where the name came from. So, it, where's my royalty cut? <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see, what else? Where was that? Oh, um, so I ended up going and taking a lot of my sister's work, uh, mainly poetry and artwork. She had one short story. And we put it together in a book. And it was called The Book of Dreams and had it published. And that was the first written material uh that we had published and, and we did really well. Um we sold out fairly quickly on the the first prints. And from that, that kind of just led into a whole different world of of not only publishing online, but we were publishing in the real world as well. But other than publishing, not only was Terry very influential in in helping me publish stuff, on a personal end, uh, we became very close friends, and he started teaching me how to write short stories. And during this process of, of teaching me how to, to do short stories, that's when I, I came into to ICU. And, and for a couple years afterwards, maybe three years afterwards, it was just you and I on the, the monitor's you know, in ICU. And those were some fun days. They really were. Yeah. Well, anyway, I don't want to, I don't mean to interrupt your, your trip down memory lane here, but I think you just sort of like lightly passed over the, uh, importance of the book, dreams of darkness, dreams of night. And I don't mean to imply that you did it on purpose or anything, you prick. But, uh, I just wanted to mention that, uh, the book Dreams of Darkness, Dreams of Night came about because in early 2005 I was diagnosed with cancer. 
and I had been writing short stories for years and years and years and was never published until 2000, the year 2000. So from, oh geez, from when I was younger, I had been writing stories. So anyway, in 2005, after I discovered I had cancer, I wanted to leave a legacy, if, if, if you want to call it that, for my kids and grandchildren, um, a book of my work. And so I, I went back some 20 years, pulled up stories and poetry that I had been writing, and I also included some, some new stories and stuff in the book. But I, I, I had it published. It was an independent publication because I, I was afraid I was going to die before I had a chance to, uh, you know, really leave my mark in the world. So, Dreams of Darkness, Dreams of Night is, is not only just a book, but it's a, uh, well, it's, it was my legacy to my kids. And I had, uh, short stories and poetry in there, some of them going back 20 years, and, uh, the last story in the book was written just before the book was published. So there's a, a, a wide range of style and stories in, in the book. But thanks for mentioning it. Oh, no problem. One of my favorite stories, um, and you had it on the world of myth. Uh, you, you had to break it up into three different pieces, but to dance with the dead was, uh, one of my favorites. And then, and we mentioned this on, uh, sheer darkness, which was, you know, just aired yesterday. Um, between the moon and Mars is, is one of my favorite. And that's in there too. Um, so is, since we're talking about your book and let's see, how do I segue into this? You've always wanted to publish, publish books, but now just recently you've decided that you're going to publish in a different way. You want to tell people that? Well, right. Uh, I mean, I, I grew up before, you know, computers and iPads and um, digital electronic shit. And so I read voraciously as a child, and I've always liked books. So publishing my own work was always something I wanted to do. <clears throat> That can be extremely time, time consuming and expensive, depending on, on how you go about it. And recently, like within the past four or five, four or five years or something like that, uh, ebooks, electronic publish, publishing has become, uh, well, very important. People, a lot of people are doing that. So anyway, to make too long a story a short one, I've decided to go ahead and start uh, doing some e-publishing for my stories and eventually my books. I have, you know, two books in print at the moment. So I will begin, hopefully within the next week or so, start putting up some of my stories uh, in an e-format. Very cool. So hopefully to reach more people and widen the uh readership yeah sure okay that's <laughs> not what i was going to say 
But since I couldn't think of another word, that'll work. So there you go. Okay. And, and my apologies for just briefly going over your book because oh, no your problem. book is very important to me. And, and that's not over fluffing it or overselling it. It's just without you producing and, and creating dreams of darkness, dreams of night, I wouldn't have been inspired to go into publishing. Um, so afterwards, let's see, we've produced, um, the calendar, then you produced your book, and then we produced the book of dreams. Um, we kind of felt ambitious because by this time now we're, we're picking up speed. We're getting more contributors to the world of myth. You're working longer, you know, going through the stories and, and poetry. I'm spending more time because I did all the HTML for the, the website. Um, and during this process of, of releasing the calendar, we opened up something that I never thought would kind of pick up to where it's at now. And originally, Myth Mart was just a page on the world of myth where you could purchase the calendars. And for I don't know how many issues, it would, that's all it was. It was never meant to go into an actual store, an e-store, but that would eventually come to pass. So with that now, we're selling our own material online. The end of 2006 is coming in. And again, we're feeling ambitious, so we decided to kick out another uh, World of Myth calendar. And that was, 2000, that was for 2007. Um, did you have artwork in that one? Um, yes. I, I'm trying to remember because it's it's been a while. Yeah, I think so, yeah. So as of and then two thousand seven came out and we focused on uh, you know, selling those. Those sold out. We had more prints and they seemed to, you know, sell out quickly as well. Um but then two thousand seven something interesting happened. Um as far as being a business the a, a magazine another online magazine even though the content was completely different from the world of myth i know that uh shelby who was the owner at the time was trying to contact you know our contributors through the world of myth and i felt them as a contributor or not a contributor but a competitor you know for online uh material well, I, I'm sorry to interrupt, but no problem. didn't we do uh, an anthology somewhere in there, too? That's going to be this year. That's going oh, oh, well, the 2007 year. Okay, okay, sorry. No problem. Um, and then after after what had happened with them, I'm, I'm still not sure 100% what caused them to close Herotica. Um, I made my first big move as a business that year and purchased the rights to Herotica. And now, not to overshoot anything, because I want to keep it between the time that you and I were working, but the last time I purchased a property um, was in 2000. Was it 2000 or 2001 when I picked up the property for New Wave Comics? So, shooting back to 2007, we just purchased Herotica, and 
you know, I, I am, I'm a dick and I, I, I don't mean to be a dick. But you do it so well. <laughs> so Terry at the time of, of this, you know, he was, he was battling, uh, his cancer and he, you, did you have the, sur- was it the surgery in 2007 or were you having treatments in 2007? 2007. No, I had surgery in 2009. Oh, okay. I had treatments forever. Um, so he was feeling the effects of the treatments and he initially said, well, let's take Wotomith to a bi-monthly, um, magazine. So we started producing every other month. Well, after I purchased Herotica, uh, again, it was my idea to do this, um, the gaps of months that we weren't publishing for The World of Myth, we were putting in Herotica. And we started Herotica as a bi-monthly. Um, On opposite months, so we ended up doing a monthly magazine anyway. We were either We were either producing The World of Myth or Herotica, but every single month something was coming out. Now, let me ask you, because I've actually never asked you this before. What, at that time, what did you prefer? Did you prefer the world of myth, or did you prefer Herotica? Well, Herotica was a a type of magazine that I had always wanted to do something with. You know, that was just kind of like my baby. You gave that to me to do whatever I wanted to with. And while I never, well, I pretty much did what I wanted to with it. But uh, I think that not working on the magazine itself, but actually uh, doing the stories, sorry about that, doing the stories and stuff was more fulfilling than The World of Myth. I still enjoyed working on The World of Myth because... Uh, we had just so much fun with the contributors, you know, and we became really good friends with a number of people who have um, gone on to become, you know, well-published authors and have totally forgotten us, just pushed <laughs> us aside now that they're now that they're famous and everything. But that's okay. That's the way people are. But uh, yeah, I I enjoyed the Herotica publication because it it was a wider open book, basically. I mean, we could do whatever you wanted. Anything. I mean, it was, it was really wide open. For those of you who are not familiar with Herotica, it was an uh, adult erotic horror magazine. And, uh, maybe it got really erotic there toward the end. Um, so yeah, that was a lot of fun. In fact, speaking of erotica, that reminds me I have to renew the rights in a couple of days. Oh, well, yeah. That was so, a good idea. So I'm glad that that came up. And now a word from our sponsors. Before 1971, a young S. Sadie Burbank could only imagine a simple American life as a loving wife and mother. That was her goal when she first married in 1959 at the age of 18. But with the wild social revolution of the 1960s, Burbank's idea of a perfect life would quickly change as she left behind her family to begin a new existence of her own. 
Her journey would find her on a plane headed toward her new lover, Steve, who was halfway across the world, waiting her arrival in a small bush camp in the country of Liberia. Once there, Sadie is greeted with a fascinating, strange world and plunges herself into the exotic land of the bush. But less than six months later, Sadie would realize all was not as it seemed, and Steve was not the man she fell in love with. Burbank found herself desperately seeking escape from the camp and her lover as she raced back to Robertsfield Airport, literally running for her life. Based on an unbelievably true story by S. Sadie Burbank, Red Hills, Green Vines, and Dried Monkey Meat for Dinner is a manuscript of Burbank's adventurous and deadly experience during a time filled with sex, drugs, and murder. Now available in paperback and hardback. For more information, log into www.redhills.us. Are you looking for a new book, comic, or apparel from your favorite MythWorks or independent creators? Then you're in the right place. Introducing the all-new redesigned MythMart store. Now bigger, badder, better. Sign up and become a member and receive 10 to 50% off on selected items. Get the all-new Terry D. Shearer's Bloody Hell t-shirt, or non-members can pick up one of our e-books for only $4.95. Or go into the past and relive the 90s with MythWorks Comics Classics for $3.99. The new MythMart. Bigger, badder, better. Visit MythMart at www.mythworks.com slash MythMart. Or find us on Facebook for extra savings. Do you own a business or have an item you want to sling? Do you want a chance to reach potential customers? Do you want to make some extra cash? Then here's your chance. For $50, you can have a one to two minute commercial featured on each of our shows for an entire month. With six shows a week, that's only $2.09 per podcast. Plus, for an extra 10 bucks, your item will be placed into MythMart. So sit back and relax as they handle all stages of transactions. Contact our ad department at info at jazelmon.com. Um, so, okay, so at this point, we've produced uh, two things from Dark Myth Publications. You produced one on your own with uh, Gateway Press and Castle Keep. And we're still producing uh, a magazine every month. We purchased a new magazine. Then in the process of all that shit, um, was it my idea or was it your idea to do the anthology, the first World of Myth anthology? I don't recall, but it was probably mine just because I, I, we had enough, uh, material that I felt we could, uh, produce a, a book with, uh, you know, enough good stories in it. And one of the things but I'm not sure. that it was during this time is, is when I made a big blunder and, and looking back on it, it was a blunder. 
because at the same time we were working on the world of myth anthology, we started working on Creek Creeperson's book, Bloodless Romance. And it was, it was never, I learned a big lesson on that because essentially the world of myth anthology and bloodlust romance came out at the exact same time. So we were trying to push two books at, you know, the same audience. And, and I think that's, well, I wouldn't say it was the same audience because bloodlust romance was far and away different. And most of the stuff from the world of myth. Well, that's true. In fact, now that I'm thinking back on it, um, you ran a couple of chapters on Herotica, the very beginning, uh, yeah, know, stage yeah. of Herotica. I, uh, I did that. And. Right, right. Because right. it fit well in Herotica. It did. it would not have gone over at all in the world of myth. Um, so the world of myth anthology came out. And you had two stories. Do you remember the two stories? I don't remember. I, that was an actual question. Oh, well, um, nope, dude, I don't remember either because my memory is uh, not as good as it was 20 minutes ago. <laughs> so, don't remember. Uh, honestly, I don't, because it's been so long and we've done so many different projects since then, um, I really don't remember the the stories. But I remember that there was two stories. Okay. Um I'm trying to struggle but I can't remember. I think one of them might have been under a pseudonym. L. Craig Woods. Oh uh, yes, yes. I think that L. Craig Woods had a story in there. Um so then after mice, so, we have mice in the studio. <laughs> Don't worry about it. So then after we did uh the World of Myth anthology and Bloodless Romance, uh we we kind of sat back and took a little breather and then we came out with one more uh we came out with one more calendar, uh, the 2008 calendar. And by this time, as the closing of 2008, that, by the, by the closing of 2008, that's when you announced that, um, even though you had been battling with cancer for three years, you publicly announced it in, in the world of myth. And that's when, let's see, by 2008, I'm trying to make sure I get all this right. That was your final, um, issue of the world of myth was the final issue of the year for 2007. So then after that in 2008, that's, uh, when Steve took over the world uh, of myth. Really? Okay. And you solely worked on Herotica. Herotica. Now at this point, I remember that you, you, this is, and you've always joked about, you know, trying to quit a couple times. Yeah, um, sure. this is the one time that I actually remember, uh, you trying to resign and, uh, I, I literally, it was like begging. <laughs> well, I was going through a lot of e e emotional turmoil as well as the physical problems I was having. And periodically I would just, uh, 
just tell myself that I, I just couldn't do it anymore. I, it was just too much work. It was too much headache. And, uh, you know, I would, I would tell Dave that I quit. I just can't do it anymore. And then the next day I'd feel better and I'd say, ah, never mind. I'll come back. Well, that and, and to be honest with you, especially with everything that you're going through, you know, personally, physically, emotionally, you know, I, I did put a lot of shit on you. You know, we were working on the world of myth, Herotica, dark myth publications. And during that year, we started dark myth comics. So I was doing all these different projects, but I was throwing all that shit to you to edit. So that was a lot of stuff that I was putting on you. Well, you you have to remember, listeners, that um, an editor doesn't just sit there and read stories all the time. As an editor for both magazines, I also had to talk to contributors, hunt down contributors, um, go back and forth with the contributors after editing their work. Um, and there was a lot of uh, bullshit going on behind the scenes that, you know, nobody knows about unless you're in the business. And, uh, yeah, sometimes it just got to be a little too much because I was working full time, as you know, as was Dave, you know, during that period. Well, wait a minute. When did I leave DVH? Um, 2006, I no believe. Shit. I well, believe it was 2006. Mind. I wasn't working for two years. <laughs> but anyhow, um, yeah, so there was, there was a lot of pressure and, uh, it was a, uh, full-time job being the editor, especially of both magazines. And even when I, uh, stopped working on the world of myth i was still the editor for the business so i was still editing books and comics and whatever else was coming through the door so you know not to mention the fact that i was fucking old and feeble <laughs> and you know one half of my brain hardly ever even worked so yeah i i had to uh I had to tell him that I was quitting periodically just to make myself feel better, but I always, <laughs> I always came back. Oh, you know, whatever. I'm a glutton for punishment. It was the money that kept me going, the money that, uh, that yes. we got. So Because I, I would constantly triple your, you know, yeah, what I was yeah. paying you. I, I'd constantly, you know, he'd threaten to quit. I'm like, okay, I'll triple what I'm paying you now. So right, right, right. that was what kept you around. No, not really. Um, believe it or not, it was a, the, the beginning process of things was a, a voluntary, um. That means no money was exchanged at all, okay? Voluntary, yeah, good, good word. <clears throat> so anyway, we, well, we did it because we loved doing it. And, uh, sometimes I didn't love it anymore. But then I always missed it when I wasn't doing it. So, you know, it's just a, you know, a silly putty kind of bounce ball back, ball bounce back. Do you miss it now? No, not at all. <laughs> I grew out of it finally, thank God. But, uh, <laughs> I think that's what Lacey said when I told her I, I, when I was done, you know, publishing other people's stuff. Yeah. Um, so let's see where we're at. We're at 2008. Oh, that's the body bag project. 
Um, let's see. Where do I want to go with this? Well, I was still working when you were doing that. Were you? Yeah. Maybe you went out on leave. Maybe that's what I'm thinking, and then you came back. Because I know that you did take a yeah. Well, I don't a sabbatical. I, I I did take some time off work, but I was I was still there. I think when uh, you were when you were talking about body bags, I remember discussing it with you and the the, the, the care uh, the cast and stuff. Uh yeah, I want to say it was two thousand eight. And and just to yes, I'm going to skim over the body thing really fast. Is um, we literally went through painstaking process of getting everything together for body bag. We actually started pre-production. We were almost to production and it just all went down the shitter. Um, and that's, that's pretty much it as far as body bag. Uh, okay. So now we'll jump to 2000, let's see, 2009, 2010, nothing. Well, 2010 was when, uh, Russo took over the the company for a very short time, and that's because I uh, I left the state and was nearly killed in a traffic accident, and he took that opportunity while I was you know in intensive care to sell the company out from under me without a word of warning. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> well, you, uh, I was actually going to bring up you know the the whole car accident thing um, because. It was June of 2010 that June 3rd, yeah, yeah. Um, and then Lacey and I went up to Ely shortly thereafter, and then I went and visited you. Um, uh, what was that? That was like July, wasn't it? Yes, probably. Um, and as we were talking, I, I could tell you know you just you were recovering and and to be honest with you I, I didn't know if if you were going to be in the capacity to ever come back you know because the well and I, I told Lacey you know I was worried about you you know leaving I, I was actually worried about you physically um and I just I didn't see a quick recovery I mean for what it was you recovered fairly quickly well, I recovered physically quickly, but uh, I have PTSD and all kinds of other physical, I mean, mental crap going on. Um, and that's caused from the accident? The accident merely uh, aggravated what I was already going through. Okay, gotcha. So, by the time... I I got back to California. Um, just one thing led to another, and Russo picked up the company. And during that process, he put out excuse me. He put out um, a comic book, and he put out the second World of Myth anthology. Now, and you were the editor for that, yes? No, no, no. Steve put out. The second World of Myth anthology. Ah, okay. I That's edited right. that, and I was in Idaho when that happened, and uh, I was ready to strangle anybody that came close to me <laughs> while I was doing that. But I did that one, yeah. 
Okay. <clears throat> so then we move into 2011. We we actually put out a 2011 calendar. Then during that process, we started working on, um, well, I should say in January, officially, the, the company went back to me and then started working on other things. I brought you back as president. And then shortly thereafter, hey, whatever happened to Chris? I just thought about that. He's still around. You know, remember the guy that was yeah, yeah, yeah. supposed to be the president? Yeah, he's still out there. Have you heard from him? No. Oh, no. It was just one of those things that just popped into my head as I was speaking. Yeah. Um, because you became the chief operating officer of the company, of the entire company. And then... Uh, With no pay grade increase. I thought I tripled your salary again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And then um, one of the things that I wanted to do was make uh, – because I ever since the, the point of Dreams of Darkness, Dreams of Night, I wanted to produce one of your books. And that was in 2011. Um, we uh, – well, you did all the writing. I did all the producing uh, and came out with – what was the name of the book? <clears throat> This is my close friend who uh, can't remember anything important. It was the Dragon Hunters and other fantasy tales. No, it wasn't that it I It was a book of fantasy short stories, both uh, sword and sorcery type and contemporary fantasy. I was going to say it's not because I didn't remember the title. I was just trying to get you to talk. Oh, well, then why don't you just ask me to talk? <laughs> <clears throat> That's that's a big difference between uh, seeing red and sheer darkness. <clears throat> Normally, it's the the roles are reversed. You you talk, I listen. Well, that's my show. But with seeing red, it's no, your show. I have a tendency just to talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. I don't think Lacey knew I had the ability to talk so goddamn much until I started podcasting. Well, <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. So yeah, we we did another book. And then, now, <clears throat> there was, I'm trying to remember some of the stories. There was one particular that was just really, it was a brand new story that you wrote specifically for uh, that book. Um, <clears throat> I wrote a couple of stories. Uh, well, actually, what happened was, after my accident in June, um, aside from other broken parts of my body, my, my, my brain took a beating. And for some reason, I was unable to do any kind of writing at all. I couldn't even write a, a postcard or a birthday card or whatever you want to call it. I was just, I was just blown out. And I finally, got to a doctor and, you know, told him what was going on. And he, he prescribed a new medication for me, which after just a couple of days, I was able to function again. And I started writing and I wrote 
two completely new stories and finished up three or four that I had started before I left California. And two of those stories ended up in the, in the new book. And there was one particular story in the book that you said was inspired by the accident. Well, the story was inspired by the accident. It wasn't about the accident. No. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was inspired by what happened to me. So. And well, that story was? A small pearl of wisdom. <clears throat> and that was probably one of the most deepest stories that I think you've written. Um, other than, uh, oh my God, I just had a uh, blank out with the fairy. Um, the river, the river, not, not a, oh, the fairy fairy. fairy. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Uh, dead and fairied. Yes. Um, which is, <laughs> it's actually a really deep story too. Right. Um, but I, I think that one was just as, as, um, deep. Yes. <laughs> I was trying to think of another word, but that'll work. So then, in the process, we're now breaking into 2012. We have an issue, and and mind you, at this time, you're still the chief operating officer of Dark Myth Production Studios. We actually got a cease and desist order, which really, to this day, pisses me off. Um, and after having Dark Myth for almost 20 years, and and technically I shouldn't say Dark Myth, but I guess I'm saying it, so dark myth um we had to change the the name of the company and it just felt weird and i think i told you this it was almost like having to rename your child you know have to rename your child 20 years later it was just odd um so then after that i think things started kind of shifting for for us um at what point in 2012 did you decide that you were done being an editor. 2012. Yeah, that's when you you officially retired, December 31st, 2012. Oh, that's right, that's right. Well, in, in 2012, I was still in Idaho, and accumulation of bad karma and miserable conditions just um, led me to a, a point in my life when I was just incapable of functioning, basically, any, any, in any, in any form outside of my own home. Um, I just wasn't mentally or even physically because I was having a, a lot of problems with my cancer at that time again, too. So I, I just, I just decided, you know, absolutely this time was going to be the, the, the last time. And, uh, on December thirty first, I I stepped down from the business completely, and it was kind of a bittersweet thing because I knew it was coming. We we talked about it. I think all the way in August, you know, we were discussing. But even that, I knew the end of our business relationship, as it was, was coming to a a close because you. Well, we talked, you know, a fair amount on, on the phone, you know, throughout the years we've always have. But I knew that when you said that you wanted to do the Herodica anthology, that was the, 
the sign for me that you were getting ready to close up shop. Because, well, go ahead. Yeah, the uh, again, Herodica was a, a special baby for me, and <clears throat> I wanted to at least put out an anthology of of because we'd been doing the magazine for three years by that time. Yeah. And we had a, a, a shitload of really good stuff that could have gone into an anthology. So I wanted to do that before I left. And and that was kind of something that we discussed on the side. Is, and he always said that that he wanted to do the anthology and, and just that would be it. So when he told me that he was ready to do the anthology, that was kind of the, the indicator for me. And... At first, I was like, okay, let me just kind of talk around and, and see if people might be interested in, in, you know, trying to take his job. And, and during that process, we put out another book and, and the book is the first time we actually Ooh, dropped. Yeah. You know, and I, I'm not going to get too far into it, but, um, yeah. you know, it just was not a good thing. And that kind of, Put soured, me, yeah, yeah. Soured both of us, I think. And when when you said that, you know, you were done, and I couldn't find nobody to to not only replace you, but I was uh, supposed to be, you know, finished publishing uh, as well in in 2013. Um, I was just like, okay, I'm done. I, I'm completely done. And that, and during that time as well as you know, last year in November, we started the podcasting thing. And that just kind of gave me an opportunity to, to focus more on the podcasting because I don't think I could podcast as much as I do plus run, you know, well, what would become MythWorks. That, that would be pretty difficult. Yeah. But you, uh, you spend the, because it, it, it isn't just sitting around talking into a microphone for an hour. Then there's, all kinds of post-production work that has to go into it, which Dave does all of for all the podcasts that we do. And, you know, then you have to, you know, build the website and keep changing that and keep uploading the different podcasts. And so it's, it's a full-time job just by itself. So, yeah, there would be, it would be difficult to run another business on top of this. But I do say that there's there's a different type of, enjoyment that I get from this. I mean, it's, it's this fun. Is, this is uh, instant gratification, basically. Right. You know, when you write something, or whether it's a book or a story or music or whatever, you have to wait around for people to um, read it or listen to it or see it or whatever. Then you have to wait around for some sort of feedback and everything. With podcasting, you spend a few minutes talking and then you can listen to it again and you're all ready to go. Yeah. You already know what it sounds like and um, it's instant gratification as far as I'm concerned. So we're instantly gratified to be here. Um, and you mentioned this on Sheer Darkness that when I, I first brought the, the idea of doing a podcast to you, um, you you said that you thought I was crazy. Now, what was and, well, and more I've, of in I've, depth? I've, what was I've it? known you for ten years. I think you're crazy several times a month. But uh, 
podcasting, you know, look, dude, I'm, I'm old. Okay. I've been around for a long time. Podcasting was a new venture for me and I wasn't familiar with it. I'm just barely function, functionable on a computer at this stage. But yeah, podcasting, I didn't know what it was. I'd never heard of it before. I didn't, uh, didn't realize how big a reach it had. So after he brought it up to me, I started checking into it, and turns out my own son has been podcasting for a long time. Um, people that uh, we enjoy listening to anyway, like Kevin Smith and his his group, have been pod- podcasting for years. So I listened to some podcasts, and uh turned out that they were pretty cool. You know, I mean, it's... It's a fun thing to do, and you get to talk about shit that, uh, to a lot of people, a lot of people, that you would not ordinarily get, get to reach. So it has, uh, advantages over all different kinds of, of, of approaches. I mean, if I call somebody up on the phone and I'm talking to them about something special, I'm, I'm talking to one person. If I'm podcasting, I'm talking to thousands of people at the same time. Right. So. I decided that yeah, I'd give it a shot, and uh, thus far I've I've enjoyed doing it. So here we are. That's cool. Uh, now, with with leaving publishing, did where do you feel now? What what do you feel that it was a mistake for me to leave publishing and go into podcasting? Well, I don't know whether you've you've actually left publishing. I mean, you can always go back and publish anything you want to, anytime you want to. It's not like it's a job career that has disappeared from your life. Um, I'm going to be doing e-publishing, and you're going to be helping me with that. Right. Doing the publishing, basically. Uh, so there you are. You're back in publishing again, whether you wanted to be or not. <laughs> and uh, with podcasting, you know, you can do this, and yet you still can do other things as well if you feel you have the time or the, you want to spend the effort to do it. So it's not like anything is just gone from your life. You you can still do writing or publishing or making movies or whatever you want to do. Right. You know? It was interesting. Look at, look at, I'm sorry. Look at Kevin Smith. I mean, he podcasts, you know, pretty much every week. Yes. And yet he's still writing scripts and making movies and going out on fundraising trips and everything and, you know, going to Comic-Con and doing all that other shit. I mean, you can um, adjust your life to fit into whatever you want, basically. And I was going to say is I, I wish some of the people um, would have seen it the way you see it because it was actually featured in CNN. Um do you remember that article? Seen what? CNN. Oh, CNN. Yes. It was, uh, I don't remember that specifically, no. Um, Podcasting was? It was something about how I turned my back on MythWorks and publishing in the fans oh, and the boys. Yes. article. Yeah, I remember that. I thought you were talking about um, podcasting, podcasting in general. Yeah, no. I remember that article. That was a... Uh, Total boneheaded move on somebody's part. <laughs> you know, things like you can never please everybody. So you're always going to get some sort of detractor, regardless of what you do. I remember when we first put out Myth Mart, 
TJ went on a big rant because we weren't doing comics anymore. Remember that? Yes, I remember. But TJ became a fan, and he stayed with MythWorks throughout through the whole run of the the magazine. So things change. You just have to deal with it. That's true. Well, I want to thank you for stopping by and, and talking with me this week. What? Is it over? I didn't get to talk about anything. <laughs> so this is seeing red. I wanted to talk about sex and relationships and stuff. Well, maybe you can come back next week and we can... Fuck. Okay. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. But I get triple my salary. Yes. Okay, great. Thanks a lot, folks, and I uh, appreciate you all listening. All right, so I am David K. Montoya. And I'm Terry D. Shearer. And if you're just one of those fuckers who don't like nostalgia, then you might be seeing red. Good night. Night all. Welcome to seeing red. Thank you.